Thank you, Pastor Rice. Thank you for having me this weekend. Um, I know having guest speakers from outside is kind of a difficult pain because we're very needy. Um, all I've done since I got here is complain about how cold it is. Um, I came here, I live in Indiana, but I came here from Oklahoma. And on Thursday, I sat outside at a coffee shop working, and it was 75. You know where I'm going with this. When the plane landed here on Friday, I think it had cracked 10 or 11. Um, and again, I live where it's cold, but cold is a matter of perception. So when you go from so warm to so cold, it is just stark. And when I get home tonight, it's supposed to be 32. <laughs> it's a heat wave. I may break out the shorts and the flip-flops and uh, uh, get us tan again. But uh, thank you for having me. I've had a great time here. I'm in Traverse City. I've actually found a few connection points. The sound guy, um, his daughter is married to one of our pastoral interns at Faith. Um, and then somebody asked me if I'd ever been to Traverse City before. Yes, when I was in junior high. I can't remember how old I was, um, whatever the junior high age range is, but I was here um, for a ski trip with our youth group. I grew up at Faith Church, and we came up and had a ski trip. It may have been with Lake Ann. That was a long time ago. I don't remember. Um, but I have been to Traverse City before, um, but it's good to be back. And I've just had a fun time this weekend um, with the teens on Friday night um, and then with the group yesterday um, and this morning. So I'm looking forward to spending some time in the Word today. I'm often asked to talk a little bit about faith ministries and faith church where I'm from. I've had the privilege to grow up there. My parents forced me there at the ripe age of six months, and I've never left. And then as God de developed my career and my ministry, um, I've stayed at faith and have had the privilege of serving there as director of technology um, for almost 22 years now. Um, we do something in faith called the Biblical Counseling Training Conference. Some of you have been there. Um, some people have talked to me that you've been to. Nothing is better than coming to Lafayette in February, right? And for you all, it is a warm-up. Um, coming five hours, six hours south. Um, the Biblical Counseling Training Conference is coming up in February. Um, a lot of the stuff that we teach um, that week just applies to local church ministry and not just formalized counseling, but training and discipleship. Um, and some of the stuff that I've done here this weekend, um, we'll do again um, the, the second week of February. So we've made that a little bit different. COVID has changed everything. So now if you don't want to come to the palatial palace that is Lafayette, Indiana, um, you can do it online. And again, who wouldn't want to come to Indiana in February? It's a great place. And then Faith Ministries is unique in the terms um, that we have multiple sites and campuses, and one of our campuses um, is our main church campus. It's not pictured here, um, but we have four different community centers spread around Lafayette. So it's unique to get to serve. The top left corner there is um, what the layout of a community center looks like. It's a pool and a gym and some athletic space and then some workout space and child care. And then we have one over at Faith West, which is just down the road from your Purdue Boilermakers. Okay, um, the number three basketball team, we were briefly number one, briefly number one. Um, but that's just down the road from Mackey Arena where Purdue plays. Um, there's student housing in that community center, so students can come to Purdue and you can live there um, at Faith in a covenant Christian housing environment and go to Purdue's campus. Um, the bottom left is a Hartford Hub community center. It's a small community center in a neighborhood um, that is uh, one of the more depressed neighborhoods in Lafayette. Um, the city gave us some property to build a community center there and reach out to those folks. And then the bottom right is our newest one. That's actually the North End Community Center. Our church moved all of their offices down there. Um, each one of these community centers are where we put churches. 
Um, so as opposed to building a church plant, we build a community center and put a church in it. It's given us some fascinating opportunities to serve our community um, and to reach out, and just some unique opportunities um, for me to do what I do in technology and how do we connect these campuses together and how do our church plants work and serve. So that's just a little bit about um, faith. I'm very privileged to have been able to serve there for so long. Uh, we'll get to that one in a minute. <laughs> little sneak peek. So let's talk a bit this morning about technology for the glory of God. We've talked about technology all weekend, and I hope you don't walk away and say technology is cool. Technology is not cool. God is cool. Um, technology pales in comparison to the glory of our God. I think we tend to forget that. We think that tech is all we need. Look at what my iPhone can do. Look at what my cell phone can do. Look, my car can drive itself. We're hardly needed anymore. Although, did you pay attention to the winter weather on the East Coast and how it stopped traffic and people were stuck in their self-driving cars for 20-plus hours? Your technology may have been cool, but at some point the battery wore out and it got cold. Or at some point you ran out of gas. I think that's God reminding us no matter how smart we get, he's still in charge. And don't get me wrong, I like technology. I think technology and science are very cool. I don't know why my refrigerator will also order me a pizza. I can't really connect those dots together, but it's neat that it does that. It's neat that I can look at my refrigerator on my phone at the grocery store and know exactly how much milk I have left. But while it's cool, it's not the end all. My fascination with technology and science and all this started where it would for any young Christian with Star Trek and with Star Wars. Um, as a young person, I thoroughly enjoyed science fiction. I still do. I actually got to work. Um, I don't know if you notice anything different about that photo, but... Um, <laughs> I'll give you a minute. It's early. It's cold. I know. I actually got to work with these folks in my early career doing Star Trek conventions across the country. Um, I've spent time with the cast of um, the original series and The Next Generation. Um, I got to meet some of the Star Wars people. I mean, that was a great time in my life because I was a, a sci-fi nut. So I got to work for the, spend time with these folks. And what I liked about it and what I was fascinated by was how vast the universe was. Even through science fiction, you could figure out how big the universe was. And we were also incredibly creative. I'm not a very creative person. I'm a function over fashion person. I mean, look at how I dress. I just, I function over fashion. But creativity is something God gave us. We came up with the transporter, which is taking you apart, atom by atom, sending you through the air, and then putting you back together again. Sounds fun, doesn't it? I understand why Dr. McCoy hated that contraption, as he called it. You can actually buy a book explaining the scientific basis for science fiction. You can buy a book explaining how the transporter could be real. I think that creativity that God gave us is wonderful. I think it's incredible that we can come up with this stuff. I just wish I had a little bit more of it. We also thought up the warp drive in the Star Trek world or in the Star Wars world, the the hyperdrive, the Millennium Falcon and the hyperdrive. This is not just going the speed of light. This is science fiction saying we're going to break the known laws of the universe and go faster than the speed of light. The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. If my airplane could have gone that fast getting here, I would be home leaving here today in less than a second. That 670,616,629 miles per hour, that's the speed of light. 
So in sci-fi, we make it go faster. So we have the hyperdrive, we have warp two. Warp two is eight times the speed of light. That's 5,364,933,035 miles per hour. That's amazing speed. The airplane I'm going to take this afternoon with a strong tailwind will top out at about 550 miles per hour. That's nothing compared to 5 billion plus miles an hour. It's amazing speeds. And yet even with all of these speeds in all of the science fiction we come up with in the Star Trek and Star Wars worlds, we didn't get very far. Star Wars takes place in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's in that galaxy. It doesn't leave it. Star Trek takes place in a small portion of our own galaxy based around Earth. The vastness of the universe is incredible. And it shows us just how big space really is. Traveling at the speed of light, you can get to Mars in 20 minutes. That seems fast, unless you're making a phone call and it takes 40 minutes to get an answer. Traveling to Mars using the propulsion we have today takes about six to eight months, and that depends on when you take off and the alignment of the planets around the sun. But all that pales in comparison to the size and greatness of our God. Humanity's been trying to reach God since the very early days. In the early days of the Bible, they used technology to try to reach the Lord, and we're still using um, technology this day to try to reach and explore the heavens. So let's go back to the beginning and, use, and look at the second use of technology on a large scale in the Bible. The first was the ark. God created and gave Noah the ability to build the ark to save Noah and his family. The ark was a very cool piece of technology. Then, two chapters later, we find Genesis 11. So use your device, pull out your Bible, whatever works for you. I use my device all the time to study the Word, but Genesis 11 Let's look at verses 1 through 9. This is the story of the Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. That's important. Verse 2, it came about as they journeyed east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name, otherwise we'll be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Verse 5, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all the same language, and this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Verse 9, therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Imagine all of a sudden everyone speaks a different language. Just imagine the chaos of that for a moment. If when church was over, everybody in the room, we didn't understand each other. We had to go outside and try to find somebody else who spoke our language and we could understand. They had to find others who understood them. And at this point, I would think God's probably sitting around saying he regretted the, the, the promise he made two chapters earlier to never destroy the earth with water again. Because he wiped it out with the flood, and then all of a sudden he has to deal with humanity going the other direction from him again and trying to reach him. In verse 4, 
They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And we will make a name for ourselves, not a name for God. We will make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the whole earth. Their technology, according to verse 3, was bricks thoroughly burnt for strength and tar. They didn't have any steel. They didn't have any concrete. They weren't trying to build a skyscraper like we would, but they were using the technology available in the day. The result in verse 7 was to confuse the language with stop construction on the tower. Have you ever been to a construction site? There's a lot of communication going on. Could you imagine a heavy-duty construction site today and people don't all speak the same language? And this is not because God knew they could somehow reach him. God wasn't concerned it would get to be too tall. But he knew that their motivation for greatness was tremendously misplaced. And sometimes we get in the same boat because our technology makes us cool. Our technology gives us power. God was humbling people early in human history when they tried to use technology to exist without God, and sometimes that's what we do today. Think about it. Do we want to be humbled by God because of our misplaced faith in our phones? We're going to be humbled by God for a lot of things. That's part of living on this side of heaven and the curse of sin. I don't want to be humbled by God because I'm too addicted to my phone, because my phone somehow takes a place in my life it shouldn't. And in many ways, we're still trying to reach the heavens today. Although we're not trying to reach heaven because we want to find God as our focus, we're often trying to expand human knowledge and the world of which we're supposed to have dominion over, but we're also trying to explain our universe without a God. I love space exploration. Um, I love the fact that I can go watch rockets be launched as we attempt to explore the heavens, but the goal is often not to explore the heavens because we want to honor God, is to explore the heavens to explain our universe without him. The James Webb Space Telescope just launched, a very cool piece of hardware going into space. The science it's out there to do is not there to honor and glorify God. It's there to justify a universe that existed by chance without a God. This is Voyager 1. Voyager 1 was launched into space in 1977 along with Voyager 2. These spacecraft have been traveling since 1977. That's over four decades. And they have just now reached the edge of our solar system. It will take many more decades before they leave the solar system and actually enter interstellar space, the gap between the influence of the stars. After 40 plus years, humanity is still confined to our own solar system. That's how big what's out there is. Our solar system is so vast, we won't get out of it in our lifetimes. We won't get out of it in the lifetime of anybody who was born today. That pales, though, in comparison to how large our God is. The vastness of our universe, in many cases, is based on the infinity of our God. As I mentioned yesterday, we talked about some social media and parenting. I've been using social media to get access to some of our launch attempts into space. Everybody needs a hobby. You don't have a hobby. You sit in your home in the cold and you go stir crazy. So everybody needs a hobby. My hobby is I like to chase rocket launches. Somebody asked me yesterday if I actually chased the rocket into the sky. Um, I live in Indiana. They launch most of these from Florida. So when I chase the rocket, I'm going to Florida to chase the liftoff of the rocket. As of yet, they've not invited me aboard. Although my wife has given me permission to go if offered. 
So I got to see the last shuttle launches um, and, the, and the landing of the final shuttle. These are all photographs I was able to take. Um, this, is, this is a fun hobby for me. You say I don't care about this stuff. Um, I care about it because it's, it explains to me how big God is and how big the universe is. When I'm standing next to these large rockets that are shaking the ground and so loud it's deafening, and I think we're barely leaving Earth's orbit with all of this. I got to see Curiosity launch to Mars. Um, the rovers on Mars fascinate me with what we're able to do with robotic spacecraft that are so far away. I think the discovery of what we're seeing on Mars is fascinating. To think that our God orchestrates activities on other planets. The windstorms on Mars, he orchestrates. The ice we found on Pluto last year, he orchestrates. And he does it with just as much effort and just as much ease as he handles each one of our individual lives here. Think about that in perspective. I got to watch the first Falcon Heavy go up. And what's fun about a Falcon launch is it goes up, but it also comes back down. So you get a twofer. You get to watch it go up, and then you wait eight and a half minutes. You hear four sonic booms, and the two boosters come back down and land. Um, when they launched the Tesla, or when they launched the Falcon Heavy, though, they put a, a car into space. This is not a photoshopped image. This is not fake news. This is a real Tesla and with a mannequin in it that is currently orbiting between the Earth and Mars. You say, why? They needed to test the rocket. They didn't want to send up a bunch of water, which is usually what they use for weight, so they sent up a car. You can go to the Internet, and there's a website where they track this car. And you can see exactly where it is in space as it goes between the orbits of Earth and Mars. That's just cool. And it shows, with all, look at all the effort we put in to put that car up, and that car is not going to get very far because space is so big. I actually got to see um, a night launch of a Falcon rocket. And at night, this, the rocket is so intense, um, it turns the nighttime into daytime. And it, I mean, it's bright, it looks like the sun rising. Um, and it just goes up so fast, and it's so bright. And then you don't have any sound on this video, but um, the sound is so intense. And you think, wow, look at what humanity did. Look at what we made happen. And this launch was sending a satellite up. There was, there was no car. This one actually had a purpose, um, except to test a payload. But not only does it go up, and the sun, the, the ball of fire goes up into the sky, then as soon as it fades, you wait eight and a half minutes, then you'll see here in a second, um, the sky lights up again as they come down and land. A very cool thing that humankind has figured out how to do. And another sun coming down, and it's incredibly bright that late at night. This actually happened at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, it was delayed, so I got to my secure spot to watch. I got through everything. It was supposed to go at 10 p.m. Um, I sat there until 3 a.m. until it launched. Totally worth it. <laughs> my son... I took him with me. He fell asleep on the bus leaving. I'm like, okay, this was lost on you. I'm so amped up right now, it's not even funny. And you fell asleep on the bus. But again, these are all feeble attempts to explore the vastness of space and the greatness of our God. Telescopes then allow us to see things further out that we can see or get to with robots. We can see other galaxies that we'll never, ever reach at least not on this side of heaven. One of the things I'm looking forward to about heaven is being able to see everything that's out there, being able to explore what God created. Because when you think about earth, it's a very tiny, minuscule thing in the whole universe. He knows it's cold in Traverse City today. 
He also knows the temperature on planets we haven't discovered yet that he created. Launching rockets is expensive and a lot of work, and we don't get very far. I think God created the universe far bigger than we could explore and far bigger than even our sci-fi imaginations could come up with because he wants us to remember that he is God, we are not. He is infinite, we are finite. There is so much more out there that we can't get to, and we should remember our place in the universe that's created by and ruled by an almighty God. Does the universe revolve around us, or does it revolve around our God? Sometimes we act like it revolves around us. So how should this impact us? What should we be doing on a daily basis to show we recognize who God is and our place in his creation? Or should it even impact us? Are these all just fun stories? I believe it should impact us. Um, And there are several ways I think it should impact us and that we should keep in mind. First is that God is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. Those are fancy words for all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Just pause on that one when you think about the stuff people put on the internet and social media that they hope no one else sees. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. We'll give an account for some of that stuff we're doing online. We'll give an account for everything we do. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. God is not limited by time. He's eternal. That's hard to comprehend. And his creation is infinite, which is why the vastness of space is hard for us to understand. Space is an infinite place. And that's a good thing. If our feeble minds could understand the Almighty, then he would not be the Almighty. Facebook didn't come as a surprise to the Trinity. Everything we post, everything you post, everything I post, he already knew we were going to post before the universe was formed and before Facebook was created. Everything you post and then delete, he still knows about. He is all present here in the physical world and in the online world. The iPhone also didn't surprise God. He already knows what's going to be in the next versions of these devices, and he already knows what you're going to do with the next version of the devices. Nothing we can design or come up with surprises him. The Falcon Heavy rocket didn't surprise God. God's not looking down at our rocket and saying, whoa, they're getting pretty close, we need to move heaven again. It's easy for us to forget these attributes because they are hard to understand, but just because it's hard to understand doesn't make them any less true. God knows everything online and offline. God is all-powerful online and offline. God is everywhere online and offline. He's in the meta and he's in any universe we may create now or in the future. And when you look online, you say, it's chaos. I can't believe God is there. God is there. That means you can't hide anything from God and you're foolish to try. Think about it like this. If you have your device out and God's standing beside you, would you post or text or send whatever it is you were working on? If he was looking over your shoulder, would you do it? Are you doing it to get the likes of men or the likes of God? God will never reach down and hit the like button on any social media platform. The goal in things we put out there should be to honor him and and that he would actually do that. Again, that's not how it works, but that should be the goal. 
We can't compartmentalize our lives to the point where we somehow exclude our God. You should be a representative of Christ's love for you here at church, when you're at the store, when you're at work, when you're offline, when you're offline everywhere, because he knows all and he has power over all. Secondly, we are nothing without him. We need him and we must rely solely on him and not on our technology. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Technology's not on the list. Technology won't get you into heaven. And sometimes we get so reliant on our technology, we forget that we need a God. The verse doesn't say we need any technology at all, just Jesus. He is the way. Not Jesus and our smartphones, only Jesus. There's only one way to heaven. It's an affront to God to add anything else to the formula to get into heaven. God the Father sent his son to die on the cross so we could have eternal life. The plan of salvation includes nothing except sole reliance on that cross. Not on our phones, not on our technology. There's no technology involved in getting into heaven. You can't click a Facebook post to be saved. And I think the devil uses our sin nature and it adds items like this to confuse us to prevent us from understanding the way, the truth, and the life. Technology becomes the serpent, cunningly being used to hide the truth from us and bury it behind things that are not needed for eternal security. We are not going to get to heaven and have the need to check our phones. Think about this. Heaven is a perfect place, and there won't be any phones. Sometimes I think we wish there would be. We act like this phone is going to go with us into eternity. They used to talk about you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You don't see a corpse with a, cat with a phone in their casket either. But consider how you use your device today and are you using your device with eternity in view. And then he is worthy of our worship. The Creator gave us the ability to create technology. He gave us the ability to create a lot of things. Enjoy what He has allowed us to create, but don't worship it. Only He is worthy of our worship. Psalm 95, 6, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. There's no mention of kneeling before anything or anyone else. No technology, just our God. And technology can quickly become an idol on our hearts. You worship it literally as if you were putting it in front of you and bowing down on the floor to it. It's absurd to think about that, to think that you would actually bow down and worship your phone, but your actions reveal that figuratively that's exactly what you were doing. John Calvin said the human heart is an idol factory. Money, fame, power, technology, what does your heart worship? Only God is worthy of that worship. Your phone and no technology we can come up with sent its son to die on the cross for our sins. But we tend to forget that and we act like technology is the end all. It's a powerful tool to use for worship. We use technology to worship this morning. We're using it now. But it's not required to worship on an individual basis. Sometimes our screens hinder us from the act of worship because we're constantly distracted. I study the Bible on my phone. I travel a lot, and I love using my phone to study the Bible, but I put my phone in modes to keep me from being distracted. Only God knows if your quiet time is actually Bible and meditation time or scrolling the Internet time that nobody else knows about. 
because you get your phone out to read the Bible or to do your Bible gateway plan or to do one of your study plans, and you get a text message, and you're quickly distracted. Or you get a Facebook notification, or something pops up, and you can't just ignore it because you're so tied to the, the distraction that you forget that you're worshiping the Lord and studying his word. You see this all the time. People will kill themselves to answer their phones. I spend a lot of time in airports. I like watching people. Their hands are full of luggage and stuff, and their phone starts buzzing with a text or a notification or a phone call, and they'll drop everything on the floor to answer the phone, and it's a spam call anyway. I am the other way. Um, I ignore my phone 99% of the time. What I am doing in the here and now is far more important to me than any distraction I'm going to get on any piece of technology I carry. But watch people around you. That's not how they act. I, I told the group this morning in the Sunday school hour, I saw a lady at a grocery store um, get a phone call as she's getting into her car, and she's holding the phone while she's trying to back out in a crowded parking lot. What on that phone call was so important at that moment she had to take it and drive her car? We act like if we don't answer the phones, the world will end. Like we'll all just vanish. That's not true. But that communicates where your heart is. That communicates your point of worship. Can you put your phone down long enough to study the Word of God? And if you can't, get the old-fashioned analog book out. They still make them. Amazon still sells them. A bunch of paper comes between two pieces of cardboard. You can flip through it. You can read it, and it won't distract you. You'll not get a text message on the book unless you buy the e-book, which takes you back to the same problem. Your phone should advance your study of the Word and your worship of the Lord. It should not hinder it. And if you're not disciplined enough to ignore the distractions, then get rid of the distractions. And God does know what you're doing. People go aside. We've all been to camps. We've all been to retreats where everybody go have your meditation time. Are you actually doing that or not between you and God? And that was true whether you had a cell phone or a smart device or not. You would take your Bible and your notebook and you'd go off and you'd doodle. You would, or you'd, you'd open the book and you'd sit there and daydream. Technology makes it easier for us to be distracted. But the same problem exists in the analog and in the digital world. God knows. And if you believe he's omniscient and he's omnipresent, then you know he's there and he knows what you're doing. So do you live a life of worship? Do you live a life showing others that they care, you care about them? Are you willing to ignore your phone and whatever it's doing in your pocket or in your purse to serve somebody else? Or do other people know your phone matters because as soon as your phone goes off, your attention changes? And I understand there are times for that to happen. You may be on call for your job. You may have needs where you're necessary to be connected and communicated with. I get that. That, I think, everybody lives there now. Because everybody is constantly dropping their device at the drop of a hat to change focus of attention to look at something else. Do you make worship a priority in your life and in your family? Do you bring devices to the dinner table? Do you have family time that is not everybody staring at a screen? Did you get together with people over the holidays and you traveled to some location so everybody could sit in the same room and look at a screen? Does your use of technology shine God's light in a dark world? I'm convinced we're so distracted by our devices we would interrupt sharing the gospel to somebody if we got a text message. 
and the text message probably is spam. It's nothing important. And if it is, it could wait. Humankind got a long way through life without technology interrupting us. When, when I was a kid and we went on youth trips, we got home and we got home. There wasn't the ability to make phone calls and text th threads and let everybody know. There was not, not the, the technology didn't exist. We got a long time um, without that. We can still operate that way today and show God's love for others. And I'm not anti-technology. I use it all the time. I'm using it now. I'm going to use my phone to get on an airplane today. I like technology. I like being able to travel that way. Um, but I don't want my technology to communicate to somebody else that the device is more important than they are. How do we reach others? Matthew 22, 36 to 39. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I think we love our neighbors as we love our devices. There's no mention of technology here. Do people know they mean more to you than your device? Can you put your device down long enough and not be distracted by it to show somebody you love them? I'm amazed at the distraction that these devices create, and I wonder, is that showing love for self or love for your neighbor? People want to know you're willing to invest in them offline and online. Don't get into the ditch of only investing online from a distance. Show the love of Jesus in person, too. It's been said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I don't think we can put our phones down long enough to show people how much we care. But the Bible says we should. I would like to get home tonight. I don't know if you've been following the travel industry, but things are in flux a lot. I fully expect and am happy if I get stuck somewhere today. Is my goal so bad that I want to get home and then I'm going to get my device out and I'm going to fuss with the airline people, or is my goal to serve them? Is my desire to get home more important than my desire to show them the love of Christ? Is my desire to communicate my love and appreciation for, for them more important than whatever's happening on my phone at any given moment in time? We all wait in lines at the grocery store. Um, when we, everything we do has a line. Are we waiting in line to love others or are we waiting in line to focus on our phones? And some people can do both. Most people, it's, you, you watch people, watch how attracted they are to their device and how pulled in they get, and then think about the ministry potential being missed to others. Technology is a tremendous tool that can be used for the glory of God, not to replace that or to hide from the glory of God. Sci-fi and rocket launch stories are fun applications of technology, but they will not stand the test of time. The Bible, like its author, is forever. The Bible wasn't surprised by our technology. Nobody is saying it's got to be rewritten because we came up with Facebook. The Bible and its author are forever. Technology, like our world, is extremely finite. It won't last forever. And the technology we're using today won't exist 100 years from now. We act like it's going to last forever. It won't. It'll move on. We'll be long gone, and if the Lord tarries is coming, there'll be a whole new mess of tech coming by that we can't even imagine today. Don't treat technology like it will last forever. Use tech to love God. Use tech to impact the kingdom. Use tech to help you grow to become more like Christ. Otherwise, the technology is nothing more than geeky foolishness. 
Again, I want to thank you this weekend for your careful attention to the Word this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to talk. I appreciate Pastor Rice um, offering me the chance to come up here. Um, I wish I could spend more time enjoying your cold weather. Um, you can go ahead and come, but I wish, I wish there was some opportunities that um, I had to go. I know you have winter sports. I do like to ski. Um, I'm not very good at it, so I often need help. Um, but I appreciate the time to share with you this weekend. Um, I appreciate the ministry here and, and Pastor Rice, and um, I pray um, God's blessing on you as you continue to serve in this community. Let's stand together as we, uh, we dismiss with, with prayer. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the good reminder this morning that you are a God who is so much greater than we can even begin to understand or comprehend. Father, I pray that the reality of that truth <clears throat> would sink in. Lord, that as a result of that, that Lord, our, our dependence upon you would become so much greater that our trust in you and, Lord, even our desire to glorify you would be such that, that even as we walk out of this place today, Father, that you would help that to be the thing that motivates our heart. Lord, we are grateful for the day and age we live in, Lord, for all the technology and the, the way that it does bring comforts to us and, and assistance and help. But I, I do pray, Father, that even if, as we sit here this morning, maybe we've identified that <clears throat> we've allowed these things to become idols to us, things that, Lord, become, are more important to us even than, than our obedience to you at times and, and our desire to serve and, and love others. And so I, I pray, Father, that, Lord, if that's the case, that, that you would allow your spirit to work and convict and, and Lord, help us to repent and, and to put devices and make them, put them in the place that they, they should be. And only things that can help us, tools to help us to serve you. Lord, we pray that as we go, that you would help us to go in your name, Lord, to make a difference in your world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.